Those last two songs, I think, fit well into what we're going to be talking about this morning. The, the idea that the world is chaotic, but God is still control. It's like because he's in control, I can just I can let it go and truly say it is well with my soul. In the midst of the chaos, amidst the craziness, it's well with my soul. And this is a proclamation that only you can make as a follower of Jesus. Because your foundation is built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so that your eyes are focused on what can bring hope and what can bring peace in the midst of the chaos. When the rest of the world is fighting and struggling to try to make it, we can rest in the fact that our Father is in control. So this morning we continue our series on Mastermind and thinking about this idea of peace and worry. How many of you worry? A couple of you? You're good at it? Some of you are professionals, even as the, after the first service, several came out and they pointed at their spouse and said, this person right here is a professional worrier. And so I, I completely understand. We, we worry about all kinds of things, whether it's our finances, whether it's our job, whether it's our kids, our grandkids, all kinds of different things that we can worry about. And so even at night, some of you, you wake up in the middle of the night because you're consumed with worry. And your worries makes you anxious and depressed and all these different kinds of things. So worry can easily consume us. And so this morning, I want you to know that you're going to walk out of here and you will never worry again. You all right? I mean, this is God's word. Paul has some message for you and you're going to receive this and you're going to be like, man, I will never worry again. And so I'm excited for you because it's going to happen. All right? Y'all ready? So we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4, and verses 4 and following. And here Paul, as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Paul is in prison. He's under house arrest. And so he's there and there's guards around him and people can come in and go. And so it's a little bit different than a normal prison, but he's still in prison. He's sequestered. And so his plan, his life script hasn't, isn't exactly working out. He's supposed to be coming and going as a missionary and doing some things. And he was told to just kind of sit a spot. So his script isn't going. So naturally, he would be able to worry, right? Whenever our life script doesn't go according to our plan, immediately begin to say, what did we do? Begin to worry about it, begin to get anxious, begin to say, listen, these things. And so here Paul has an opportunity to worry, and he refocuses it and shows us that it's an opportunity not to worry, but to have actually have peace. And so this morning, that's my prayer for you, is that you will find peace in the midst of opportunities to have worry. Because if you woke up today, you have an opportunity to worry. And most of you that are here are awake. Most of you, not all of you. But most of you here that are awake, you have an opportunity to worry. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4. And these are actual commands that Paul is giving to his hearers. These are commands for us as followers of Jesus to not worry. And so here's how we do it. The verse 4, it says this, Always be joyful or always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy. This idea of joy has ties that has nothing to do with our circumstances. So again, your world could be crashing down around you, but Paul is saying because you are a follower of Jesus, you can have joy because your joy is found in your salvation. That everything else can be going to heck in a handbasket, as they say. But even with that happening, you can have joy. And that's the good news. That's the hope that you have, that we have as followers of Jesus. Always be joyful. I say it again, rejoice. Verse 5. 
Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. This idea of being considerate is actually being gentle, being kind, when the rest of the world would tell you to retaliate, to seek revenge, to, to find justice, to, to do that you should respond, that that's what the world tells us to do. Matter of fact, we have this thing in our brain called the amygdala, and the amygdala is what tells us to fight or flight. And so you got that moment. So actually, it's the part of the brain that tells us to survive. The other part of the brain that we have that helps us make decisions is the prefrontal cortex. And the prefrontal cortex has to do with logic, that we have reason, we can thought. And so researchers, researchers tell us this is why guys have a tendency to do a lot of dumb stuff before they turn 26, because their prefrontal cortex has not fully connected with the rest of the brain. In other words, they're not making logical decisions all the time. And everybody's going, what are they thinking? And we're saying they're not, because their prefrontal cortex hasn't connected. And so we have this thing going on, and Paul's talking about it. Our natural inclination is to survive. The rest of the world will even push us and say, look, you should retaliate. You should find vengeance. You should revenge. But what Paul says as followers of Jesus, we should be stepping back and seeking out the truth and letting that sit so that we can actually be considerate and kind and make the right decision. And when the rest of the world is fighting and struggling over things, we can step back and say, actually, the truth is, and then we can respond out of that truth. And when we respond out of truth, then we can actually respond in kindness and in gentleness instead out of this spirit of fighting or fleeing. Verse 6, don't worry about anything. That's easy enough. Done. All right, y'all ready? You can go now. You will not worry. All right? Don't worry about anything. Now, this is an interesting thing. Paul would tell us, hey, don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about, don't be consumed by these things. It's kind of a brazen statement. And this again, this is not a suggestion by Paul. Actually, in the original, it is a command. This is to be our bent. This is to be our direction. This is the way that as followers of Jesus, this is the way that we are to live. We are not to be consumed by worry for anything. Why? Look at the second part. Because instead, pray about everything. So instead of worrying about anything, we should be praying about everything. And those everything and anything are actually synonyms. They mean the same thing. And so instead of worrying about all the stuff that we worry about, pretending that we are God and that we're in control, why don't we therefore submit those things that we're worried about and consumed about to the one who actually has control and can actually do something about it? So instead of worrying about things, give it to him. Because life is a pressure cooker. We have the best intentions. We get up in the morning. We say, hey, today is going to be a, a good day. We've got all this. We, yes, I know I've got this coming up, and I know I've got this coming up. But, but I, I, I'm gonna, this is going to be a good day. I'm not going to worry about these things. But it's interesting that from the moment that we wake up, the crock pot of life seemingly kind of just continues to warm up 
the situation. And so the moment that you leave the house, someone cuts you off or doesn't stop at the stop sign and they go out of turn or, or whatever it is, or the taco shack line is really, really long. And you know what I mean? I mean, there's all these different things that continually like get the crock pot going and we begin to get angry, we begin to get frustrated, we begin to all this stuff. And so we begin to worry about all these different things. And so the next thing you know, something small happens and boom, here we go. Do not worry about anything. Life is going to happen. Paul is talking to a church where they're under heavier persecution. The persecution is building. So people are beginning to to have to count the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So the persecution is there. And so it's interesting that Paul would tell them, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. People are going to call you names. People are going to do it. Because here's the deal about being a follower of Jesus. Have you ever been to a massive event and you're walking out of a massive event and all of a sudden it hits you like you've got to go to the restroom? And everybody is going this direction out. And all of a sudden you're like, I have got to go to this other spot. And so I've got to turn around and I've got to go against the flow. And if you've ever been in that spot, like you're working your way through there and it seems like an impossible task. And you're working, you're working because you have a purpose in mind. You've got a destination to get to. And living the Christian life is much like that. Everyone else is going in one direction. But something in you says, hey, this is the direction I should be going. You have something inside that's driving you to this place. And so you immediately turn around and you're going and you're going against the flow of traffic. And everybody's looking at like, which, why, why are you going this way? And you have to go, you know, that. And you're explaining. And this is the Christian life. You're going upstream from everyone else. The world is telling you, find vengeance, retaliate. The world is telling you, you don't have, why are you joyful? You just, you don't have this, or you don't have this, or someone said this about you. All these different opportunities, and the world is telling us, but the scripture is, the truth is telling us, this is the direction I need to be going. And you'll have people telling you all along the way, it's not easy, it's going to be uncomfortable going in the opposite direction, but this is what it means when Jesus says, follow me. Don't worry Pray about everything. Follow me and move in this direction. Continuing on. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now, they've been doing research, more and more research on the brain. And recently, over the past decade, they've been doing specific research on prayer and the brain. So I want to read this quote to you from um, some research. And here's what they found. It's been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Prayer works. So those things that we're consumed about and that we're worried about, Scripture tells us that it's true. Now we're even having some science even prove this and say, listen, if we will intentionally day after day put truth in, if we'll day after day sit in the Father's lap and say, Dad, here's what I need, and day after day say, hey, I trust you, day after day the brain actually begins to change and you have different thoughts, you have different heart set, you have a different mindset because we're saying, listen, I'm not God and you are and I trust you. Because you've proven it time after time after time. 
Do not worry about anything, but pray about everything. And you will then what? Tells us in verse 7, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that you can understand. Now, this idea of peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's actually shalom. It's this entire body experience. And so it's this thing when you have someone that you love that has passed away. This is when I see it most, when someone has passed away, and that we can say, listen, I grieve, I hurt, but I have a hope that, I have an expectation that, I, have a, I, I sense that I will see them Again, and so there's this grieving, but also there's this expectant hope. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Because I've seen the opposite of that, where someone has lost someone and they don't know if they're believers and they struggle, they don't know that, understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we're literally, it is, I've seen moms and dads crawl into caskets of their children because they, they have this deep sense of loss and grieving and a grief without hope. And so for us, this peace that passes understanding that the chaos of the world, that the chaos of the life, of life, and everyone's looking at us and saying, you should be experiencing X. And we're saying, yes, I'm grieving, but I'm grieving with a hope, with an expectation, because my eyes are focused, my, my eyes are focused at a different place. Even think about this, the time where Peter and Jesus were on the boat and Pete, Jesus is walking out to the, the disciples, and the waves and the storm is happening, and they begin to see something walking, someone walking toward them, and Peter steps out of the boat and begins walking. And the story is, as he begins to walk, his eyes are focused on Jesus, and he's taking these steps, and everybody's like, whoa, Peter's walking on water, and he's focused on Jesus. And then somewhere along the way, the chaos of the storm distracted Peter. And so I don't know if it was a, some water splashing on him or the waves or whatever, but in, in some point along the way of stepping and moving toward Jesus, he was distracted and began to focus on the waves. And the very moment that he was distracted and began focusing on the waves, what did he do? He began to sink and began to, at some point, I would assume that he would have drowned if Jesus hadn't been there and reached out and picked him up. In that moment, he took his eyes off of Jesus and focus on his distractions. I think the principle and the truth is for us is that our eyes are focused on Jesus and we can go anywhere and he says, hey, follow me and we're focused on him and we're moving in that direction that our thoughts are taking us in that direction. Our vision is taking us in that direction. And the very moment that we're distracted by something that we have to begin to say, decide, is this truth, is this false? And if we're taking some time, we're going to begin to sink and then we begin to swim in our own power, in our own, try to do it in our own strength. And then we finally get to that place of we cry out, Jesus, I need you. And he's obviously there and he reaches us up. But our eyes have lost focus. Our vision has changed. We get distracted by the things that we worry about. My kids, my work, my whatever, my finances. But in pursuit, in that moment... Even in the midst of the chaos, Peter had peace, Peter had direction, Peter had hope in the midst of that. Jesus even tells us in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give give as the world gives, therefore do not let your hearts be troubled, do not be afraid. So pray about everything, don't worry about stuff, you'll receive this peace in the midst of that, you'll receive a peace that passes understanding. And the next Second part of this, verse 7, there's an interesting idea that, that Paul introduces to us. That even this peace 
that passes understanding will guard our hearts and guard our minds. And so this idea of guarding our hearts and minds is, is literally that there are guards stationed on the outside of the city and there's guards stationed on the inside of the city. And so the things that we worry about, the things that we're concerned about, the things that consume us have to enter in through the city gate. And only they can enter in through the city gate if we give them permission to enter. They have to call out, can I enter? And so here Paul is giving this illustration of if we begin to quit worrying about things and praying about them, then in that moment of praying about them, then God sets up the guards and puts them in the proper stations. And the only thoughts that can enter in through the city gate of the heart and the mind are the things that we give permission to. Wow, that's freedom. That's why it matters what we watch, what we listen to, who we listen to, who we think about. All those, those things matter because as followers of Jesus, we're praying about things and the only things that can enter the city gate of our heart and our mind are those things that we give permission to. And if we're only giving permission to those things that are life-giving, we're not consuming stuff that's not true, then eventually the fortified city will quickly be able to tell what a counterfeit is. So when the enemy arrives at the city gate, we can go, whoa, you're an enemy. Get out. We vanquish them. And so Paul is saying to us, one of the ways, if not the way, for us to quit worrying about the things that we worry about Most of the time, our lies are untruths that we're telling ourselves about the future that we don't even know. We're assuming things. And so Paul is telling us, look, pray about it. Set up the gates and allow the guards so that whenever you open up the city gates, the truth can come through. And you quickly, over time, will be able to distinguish even the lie that pretends to be truth can be vanquished. You won't worry. You won't be consumed by those things. Verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. Remember, we're out of the boat. We're, we're moving in this direction. We're easily distracted. So in that moment that you're distracted by your thoughts and other things, refix them, recalibrate, go to the eye doctor, get your glasses fixed, get your vision fixed so you can focus in on the truth and what you're following what is true, what is honorable, literally awe-inspiring, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, literally attractive and appealing, that, that fix your eyes on this is a great description of God. In those moments that you're distracted by the things that are consuming you, Many times those are things that we're seeing that we have think that have value and have worth and we're trying to hold on to them. And God says to us, refix your thoughts. Refix your eyes. Recalibrate your vision. What's honorable, what's right, what's true, what's awe-inspiring. Our Father in heaven, His Son who gave His life for us. Think on these things because they're excellent and worthy of Praise. Literally, continually think on them. One of the things that I learned as an athlete is perfect practice makes... Okay, some of you have done it before. Perfect practice makes perfect, okay? Now, has there ever been a perfect practice? No, sometimes the coaches lie and say that was perfect, but really they go in and like, it's not perfect. We have some things to work on. But there's constantly in pursuit of perfection or excellence. And so the same is true for us as followers of Jesus. 
Every single day you get up, you say, today is the day that it's going to be like the perfect day where every time I'm called to obedience, I'm going to do it. Every time that I'm called to love someone, every time that I'm called to serve one someone, every time I'm called to, to speak a living word into someone, you, you have those moments. And so many times we get to the end of the day and we look back over the day and we're like, hmm. you know, maybe I didn't drive so nice. Maybe I wasn't so nice to this person. Maybe I could have been gentle. Maybe I could have, instead of fight or flight, I could have sought some more truth and been gentle and not retaliated. And, and so there's never a perfect day. There's some really, really good days, but never a perfect day. But that doesn't mean we quit. We come back the next day. Why? Because the next day can be an even better practice. Here's the deal. We're, we're, we're constantly, as followers of Jesus, in pursuit of a holy God. And we're never going to reach the perfection that we're attaining, but we're going to continue to one day after the next. Because guess what? Every time if we get a little bit better, if we grow a little bit, if we mature a bit of it, in three years, in five years, in ten years, we're going to look and act and think a little bit more like Jesus. And it's going to be easier for us in those moments where we quickly get distracted to refocus our eyes because we immediately have trained ourselves that our eyes quickly are here. And that may look appealing for a moment, but we know that time after time it hasn't fulfilled what we think. So we quickly go back and say, what is true? What is right? What is holy? And begin to continually, continually practice. So it even says in Galatians chapter 5 that every day is a new day to say yes to get into the habit of saying yes to Jesus. Why should we worry about these things? Why should we be consumed about these things? In Romans chapter 8, it says this, verses 5 and 6. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. Day after day after day, putting into practice. I'm not going to worry about these things. I'm going to give up control. I'm going to submit and petition the one who has control. Verse 9, but putting into practice continual action, all you've learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So here's what I want you to grasp this morning. The things and the people that we listen to, that we think about, that are part of our life, those things matter. They impact the city gate. The things that we let through the city gate matter. So be cautious of what you let in the city gate. The other thing is this, is life is going to happen. All right, if you get up and you go about your day, life is going to happen and the pressure cooker will, will rise sometimes and then sometimes it will stay steady. But the pressure cooker at some point the thing will come to a boil. Life is what it is. Surrender in those moments and have a spirit of gentleness when the world is. I know the world would tell us to react and to retaliate. And then finally, our minds drive us. The things that we think about, the things that we see, we move in that direction. The things that we think about, the things that we see, we move in that direction. So if you're not happy with the direction, if you're not happy with the destination that you've ended up in, 
what Paul would tell us, what Jesus would say, is that you are not clearly following me. If this is where you want to be, following me, then check your prescription, check your focus, check your intention, check the things that you're allowing into the city gate, and are they guiding you and directing you on the path? A long obedience in the same direction equals life, equals growing and maturing in Christ. Even with children, even with children, there's days that they have great days, right? But every once in a while, you have to guide and correct and they may be going this direction, and as a parent, what do we do? We step in and say, hey, I love you. And this path right here that you're about to go down, I can see it in your eyes. It glistens. I know that it glistens. But I'm going to tell you, it's going to hurt. It's going to cause shame. It's going to cause pain. It's going to cause regret. Because I've maybe have gone down that path. And I'm just telling you I love you, and I'm going to let me refocus you. That's what God the Father does. He comes alongside of us sometimes. We call it discipline. He comes alongside and he says, hey, I love you. And I know you think that this is the direction you want to go, but let me just refocus your attention for just a moment. Focus your eyes here. And let's walk in this direction together. Don't worry. Pray about everything. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we are professional warriors. We have all kinds of things that we want to be in control of, that we want to drive, that we want to direct our own life script, and that there are times that our life script is off course and we blame you. And you actually may be the one to blame because you're a good, good father. You've actually got your arm around us and are saying, hey, let's just stop for a moment. And let's refocus your gaze. Let's refocus your heart's attention. Let's reestablish the city wall. Let's reestablish the guards around so that we can guard and protect your mind and your heart so that you cannot have to worry about so many of these things that you're worrying about, so you don't have to be anxious about these things, so that you can have peace that passes understanding. Let's just pause and reestablish. Where are we looking for life? Where are we looking for truth? Where are we looking for purpose? Where are we looking for meaning? Where are we looking for for value? Where are we looking for identity? Because as a follower of Jesus, if it's not you, Jesus, then it's a distraction. It actually causes confusion. It confuses our heart. It confuses our mind. It confuses our soul. And so... So many times we come into this place and we want to say, it is well with my soul. But we can't. Because we're distracted. So Father, I know that the hearts and minds of these here, a part of this body, their desire is to follow you along obedience in the same direction toward you. 
you alone. That in the midst of life's chaos and craziness and distraction and other things that can move us and pull us away from a long obedience toward you, those things are there that, Father, may we in the midst of that can sense that even in those moments we lose our focus on you, that we're drowning. Father, you are there to reach out and to pull us up and to say, my child, continue to keep your eyes on me, to re-guide us and redirect us. Father, this morning, may that be. May you put your arm around us and redirect us, re-guide us. May we find our purpose, our meaning, our identity, our worth, and our value in you and you alone. It's in your son's name that we pray.